Welcome to the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast, where theology and youth ministry meet. Hey, welcome to this new episode of the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast. I'm your host, Mike McGarry. I'm here in our online studio with my friend and my boss, Scott Steen. <laughs> uh, I, well, you know, we'll get we'll get we'll get to that. So, Scott. Uh, yeah, yeah. Scott Steen's the founder of Prepare to Answer. Uh, it's an apologetics ministry uh, up in Ontario, Canada. Uh, they're also the supervising ministry for Youth Pastor Theologian. So if you listen along and if you like what's happening here at YPT, then uh, you are uh, receiving the benefits of Prepare to Answer's ministry. So Scott, could you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself and about uh, what is Prepare sure. to Answer all about? Yeah, well, like you said, so we're in Canada. Uh, I grew up here in Ontario near, um, well, most people would know where Toronto is probably, uh, about two hours away from Toronto. Um, yeah, I'm married. I have a family. Um, my background's pastoral ministry. So I was about 11 years in pastoral ministry here in a um, southwestern Ontario Baptist church. And uh, about, yeah, 13, no, 12 years ago, 11 years ago, um, God just kind of changed my directions, gave me a real burden for, um, well, the study of apologetics, but also the, uh, just increasingly I saw the role that apologetics was needing to play in the, in the discipleship of the next generation, just seeing how much the culture was shaping the way young people think and the need for then just good sound apologetic instruction, just as part, you know, one of the tools in the discipleship toolbox for the church. So that's what led me to um, uh, conclude pastoral ministry and shift to and begin uh, Founded Prepared to Answer in 2013. And uh, yeah, we've been doing that since. Our, 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 mission, our mission here is really serving local churches. We are really trying to be a resource to the church community in our region, which is southwestern Ontario. Sometimes we get a little further out than that, but we're really trying to be, you know, we, we want to be a trusted resource. We just want to be someone who uh, the churches in our region can can call out to for for help or you know whether we come and speak or provide resources or whatever um so that's kind of the nature of our ministry we have uh, you know as time goes on we've crept online a little bit more so our audience has mm-hmm. spread a little bit yep. beyond that and uh and now you know through emerging partnerships with great ministries like youth pastor theologian you know we're we're just reaching a little bit further even so and yeah and we're just blessed to be able to partner with uh with ypt and you mike and um, seeing what God's doing. It's exciting yeah, stuff. It is exciting. It is exciting. So, um, yeah. So we are going to talk about a new uh, video series that um, that you guys are releasing um, soon. But before we dive into that, as you know, um, I always like to ask our guests questions about their teenage selves. Um, so this one is a little slight curveball. Um and so this one is, uh, Scott, what was your favorite book as a, a teenager or as a, a kid growing up? Uh, my favorite book, fiction or nonfiction? Yes. Doesn't Just matter. Your favorite book. And don't say the Bible. Um, no, well, that's always been my favorite <laughs> book, right? That's the right answer. Um, you know what? I, I would say, well, I could probably, I have to admit, in later high school, I, I did have a season where I was I had, I had a bit of a uh, an interest in Stephen King novels. Mm. I kind of went in for a bit of the horror. I'm not sure they were the best pick, but at the time, that's what I was interested yep. in. Um, 
so I would say late high school, The Shining Ooh. was a story that just I remember reading that and uh, in my room and and I was actually afraid to go to bed. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, but, great decision. Yeah. Then. yeah, so that was not the most edifying <laughs> season of life in terms of reading. But I would say I would say earlier than that, and a series that I loved as a as a preteen and even into my early teens were the Chronicles of Narnia. Oh yeah, I reread the, yeah. that series over and over again. And even uh, even when I became a parent, my kids became old enough. Uh, made sure I got a copy and read through it with them mm. and just enjoyed it all over again. Yeah. Uh, I loved the Chronicles of Narnia. So what's the proper reading order for the Chronicles of Narnia? Oh. Is this right, chronological or like, isn't this a big Narnia debate? Okay. I, I, if it is, I'm not aware of the debate. Yeah. Uh, I just go by the numbers on the books. Pretty sure the Magician's yeah. Nephew is number one, Lion of the Witch in the Wardrobe. Yeah. Then it goes on from there. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Love it. Um, I actually, so I reread the the Narnia series um, a handful of years ago, and I just I had forgotten how beautiful mm-hmm. and incredible those books really are. Yeah, so, yeah, that's a great choice. Yep. So, all right, hey, so uh, today we're talking about uh, a new series uh, that Repair to Answer is releasing um, in just a few weeks. Uh, so it'll be out by the time. Uh, this uh, episode is 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 released. And it's called so Mu- so much more than sex, mm-hmm. right? So we're talking about uh, biblical sexuality, and uh, lots of uh, people <laughs> everywhere are talking about sexuality, yeah. and it's really difficult just to know how do we how do we approach and engage uh, such sensitive uh, yeah. topics and conversations. Um, how do we love uh, generously? Mm-hmm. Uh, those who we disagree with, mm-hmm. uh, while still holding to firm um, and clear biblical convictions. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about the series and why is Prepare to Answer, an apologetics ministry, releasing a video series about sexuality? Uh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, so I mean. <laughs> Ap- apologetics is is such a broad field. Um, sometimes I'm sometimes I'm not sure we we fit the the maybe the mold of what people typically think of when they think of an apologetics ministry. They often think of I think maybe more you know um, ministries that present evidential kinds of arguments and things like that, which is a, yeah. certainly an important slice of apologetics. Um, but I mean, at, at bottom, at, at you know, at the very core of apologetics is is that that skill of giving a defense or giving an answer, uh, presenting answers, and and when I think about that in terms of our ministry, I realize that I think there are two aspects to the importance of providing Christians with answers, and I think the first, I think the first level of importance is that we want believers to have the answers for themselves that they need, um, yeah. and that and really that goes for for any subject related to our faith. Uh, and that's where that's where I think you know, our, our rationale or our reasoning for coming, you know, putting together this series came from. Uh, certainly, we want to train believers to be able to give an answer as well. But as I spent time in churches and talking with youth or young adult groups, um, the whole subject of sexuality just seems to be paramount on their minds because it's it, you know it's. It's such a contested subject in our culture 
when it comes to holding a Christian biblical uh, ethic or uh, you know yeah. biblical beliefs about sexuality. I I would say, Mike, that the you know the the real impetus for this series, if I could think back to a moment where I thought, okay, so we need to do something to contribute to this discussion. I was talking to a youth pastor, and you know, just about you know, how are you finding it in your ministry? You know, do you feel like you're on the defensive when you're talking to youth about sex? And he he said, yeah, with some I am. He said, but to be honest, a lot of the need I have with my my youth is most of them are terrified that their friends at school will find out they're a Christian and start asking them about their beliefs about sex. And mm-hmm. I realized that that there is this 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 real fear of, you know, in our cultural environment, how do we give an answer? How in the world can we present what we believe in a way that anyone will say, oh, well, I respect that. Or, oh, well, fair enough. Yeah. It's yeah. more, it's, it's more this, this very negative light, broadly speaking in our culture, that Christian beliefs mm-hmm. about sex, the biblical, historic Christian teaching on sex is seen very negatively. Um, and I think that's probably where the real, the real desire, that's why we, you know, we said, okay, you know what, we need to produce something to, to help, to add to the conversation and yeah. to assist uh, our young people, our young adults, those who are having those conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a really good point that you're bringing out though, about um, how many of our Christian teenagers, once they're kind of outed as Christians, yeah. um, it, it, sexuality then kind of becomes the go-to, well, what do you believe about this? It's, um, it's almost the first yeah. question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. So what? T- tell us a little bit about, the series, um, it, who's it for, mm-hmm. um, and how's it structured, and why did you choose the name so much? Sure, yeah, you know, yeah, much more than sex. I would say the tar- I would say the target audience for this series. I mean, we actually what we actually did to produce it. Uh, we have a number of partner churches in our region, not only who partner with us, you know, through support, financial support, but also in ministry. So I actually have some some good relationships with some of the pastors in these churches, and it was actually a young adults pastor in one of our partner churches who's got a great ministry with his, you know, basically college age to early career. So really 19 to your, your late 20s. He's got a fantastic ministry. And so I said, you know, this is a subject there certainly we would be interested in, and he absolutely yes. And I just approached him and said, what would you think about me? delivering some material, but then capturing it. Uh, and so we actually delivered it to an audience of about 30 young adults over four, over four weeks. And, um, you know, that's how we put the series together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so primarily, so primarily I would say the target audience would be, yeah, young adults or late teens. I would say yeah. if you're a youth pastor, I would say certainly I think your, your, your older teens, maybe grade 11 and 12, could handle this. I think it would probably be a bit, a bit much for certainly not pre, certainly not your junior high, and uh, maybe grade nine and ten. It, they wouldn't quite appreciate it yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So maybe maybe if you have juniors or seniors, um, for an, an upper class, yeah, or maybe college college prep t- small group. Or certainly, cr- certainly but college prep. A, a small lot of group, youth yes, pastors yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lo- lots of lots of youth pastors do oversee the young adults ministry. Yep. Um, so this would, you know, be good there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Now, what are the the four sessions? Uh, so there's there's four videos, mm-hmm. right? There's four sessions to it. Yep. What what are those? Yeah. So there, yeah, there are four sessions. Each of the videos are about is about forty minutes in length, and then it's broken into two parts. So uh, about twenty minutes, and then we we break the video and provide time for discussion questions, and then another twenty minutes in discussion questions. Uh, so the four sessions are the first session one is the world you're looking at the worldview of Genesis one. Then the second session is why male and female. Um, the third is God's purpose for sex. We want to look at, and then we fi- we we follow up with basically. So given God's design and everything else, what went wrong, and yep. how is God then redeeming our sexuality? What is His ultimate purpose in redeeming mm-hmm. it? Um, so that's r- roughly how we break it down. And I think what you might glean from those four titles right off the bat is that they really don't speak it's not this is not a a course about uh relationships or you know setting boundaries around you know how far is too far or any of those kinds of questions mm-hmm. those are all important matters but i would say that the the real the real focus of this series and and this is the the way we kind of put it is because our young people Christian young people, they're they're clinging to if they are clinging to the, the what the Bible's te- what they've been brought up to believe about the Bible's teaching about sexuality, and they're just holding on to that, and the rest of the world's casting it in a, a negative light. We designed this series really to help them shift the narrative when they yeah. are needing to give a defense for what they believe about sex, away from the negative. So you believe you're not supposed to do this, not supposed to do that, and that those yeah. who do therefore are you know sinners and going to hell right. and that kind of thing. Yeah. We really tried to shift it to not so much the the do's and don'ts about sexuality that people normally attribute to the Bible's teachings. We've really tried to open or we're really trying to open young people's eyes to the very essence of the core what, the kind of thing that sex is and recognizing that what scripture reveals is that it yeah. really has more to do with God than us. That our mm-hmm. sexuality is is something that reveals something true about God and reflects something about Him that's eternal and beautiful and wonderful, and mm-hmm. and so really trying to help them see the glorious vision of sexuality that the Bible paints and the wonderful gift it is when we when we steward it well, realizing that we can glorify God with our bodies, and. Yeah. Um, so that's so it's it really is a theology of sexuality um without using the word theology of sexuality words yeah right we don't want to make yeah. it sound like a seminary course we want yeah. it to make it practical um but that's yeah that's kind of the framework for the course yeah, yeah. and here's why i love that so much is because a lot of times we talk about the do's and don'ts mm-hmm. um but it's not frequently anchored in a clear biblical and theological view of what sexuality even is mm-hmm. and why it matters so much. Um, it, instead, it just becomes a list of, well, God said we shouldn't do that. Well, mm-hmm. the Bible says this. Um, yep. And so in one of the, one of the last messages that I gave as a youth pastor was uh, teaching on, um, a biblical, biblical sexuality, mm-hmm. and 
what I tried to do, <laughs> I'm not sure how successful it was, um, but what I tried to do was basically lay out what you just described as four 40-minute long sessions. I tried to condense that into one 20-minute yeah. youth talk. Tough to do. Um, yeah, that was, yeah, it was way too much in it's, one session. Yeah. But it, it was this desire of saying, like, I want to give my students more than a list of do's and don'ts mm -hmm. so that they can say, here is why Christians do not affirm same-sex relationships. Here is why Christians don't affirm transgender ideologies, right? So we, uh, we are, are we helping our teenagers to think biblically about sexuality or are we just giving them do's and don'ts? Right, right. And, and helping them, I mean, the, the reality is I think our young people need to understand there is no way that you can spin a biblically faithful vision of sexuality to someone who's not a believer in our world and have them like it. Mm -hmm. Right? They they'll they'll never applaud it. But I think that I think when we understand the eternal significance of it that that holding to firmly holding to that truth and affirming it realizing first of all that that is uh, that, that we can't we cannot uh you know we can't alter that that belief or that that standpoint uh without without compromising the very essence of our faith because it it reflects the very nature of the god we claim to worship yeah that if we you know that if we alter our views on that we've we've essentially uh we've essentially willed to alter our be willing to alter our view about god Mm -hmm. And the other thing, too, then, is to recognize that because these things aren't bound to culture, right, they're, that they're bound to God's very nature and his very purpose for us, that it's ultimately not to our friends' benefit. It is to their detriment if we leave them with the impression that, you know what, it's just whatever you, you, whatever you go with, that's, that's okay, right? Whatever yeah. you feel is best. Uh, that leaving them, leaving someone there keeps them in eternal peril. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. it's, uh, I think to, to have the conviction in order to have that kind of conviction, I think our young people need to have a biblically grounded theology. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause that's where my conviction comes from. Right. It's not from, it's not from what I would argue are the the positive outcomes societal outcomes of maintaining a biblical sexual ethic there are positive societal outcomes mm -hmm. but but i think so, uh, oftentimes our arguments have been built too strongly on that here's why we because if we do this then it leads to the most positive and i will argue i would affirm yes it would if we if we held to a biblical sexual ethic mm -hmm. it would lead to human flourishing but it's tough to yeah. sell that and ultimately, that's not the reason why we hold to it anyway. Right. Well, and if we can at least articulate that, mm -hmm. I, I think I think as much as a non-believer would not hear that articulation and then agree and mm -hmm. say, oh, okay, that makes sense. Right. It would at least help them to see that your Christian stance on these issues 
is coming out from somewhere that's not hate. Right. And that's not intended to be exclusive. And I've just, I, I've got to believe that there, there are some who just will still cancel regardless, mm-hmm. but there are some who will be reasonable enough to at least say, you know, what? I, I firmly disagree with you. And I think what you're saying is very harmful, Yeah, but I at least respect that it, you, you have, you have a reason for why you believe. Yeah. Yes. What you believe, right? Yeah. Yes. So I just wonder, and again, I, I haven't had a chance to to preview the series yet, and I'm looking forward to um, going through that with the young adults group that I, I lead at my own church. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I'm excited to do that. Um, but I just wonder how how helpful would the resource be for youth workers, even if they're not going to um, access the curriculum to literally share it with the teenagers i think it sounds like it would still be really helpful for the youth workers themselves to to watch the videos to work through the material yeah and to prayerfully discern how can you how can how can youth workers distill it for the so that it's accessible for the teenagers in the ministry right and that and that may well be um Depending on the context, your ministry context, that might be a better application or use yeah. of the material. Uh, simply because, and I know I've had this conversation again. Uh, youth pastors I've talked to, and I've I've just asked them, you know, when you address the issue of sexuality with your youth group, do you feel in general that they are a receptive audience, or do you feel like you are on the the defensive? Oh, right. and I, a, a number of them I've talked to, absolutely, yeah. I'm on the defensive. They, absolutely. you know, yeah, they've been, 100%. they've been, uh, they've been absolutely conditioned by, yeah. right, the public school and, and everything yeah. they've been taught and, and media as well. And so they are not a receptive audience to start. Right. And so it's almost like our mission field in terms of this subject is, yeah, we have to give a, a sound defense and help them yeah. understand, look at, this is why we, this is, I don't, I like to move the language away. This is why from this is why we don't to this is yeah. why we can't. Yeah. If we go along with the culture, and this is what this is what I really try, we've really tried to unpack through the series. In in linking our very capacity to image to bear God's image, that our our gendered being, our sexually differentiated existence, is one of the very means by which we image our creator. Mm-hmm. And so to deny the dis- the sexual distinctions and boundaries that he has built into his image bearer is to deny the creator, right? Yeah. It's that, it's that simple. It's, it's not simply a moral issue. At root, it's theological. It is. Um, it's our, it's our, the very essence of our belief about God and who he is. And mm-hmm. to deny— and who we are uh, right, as image bearers. Exactly. Yeah. And who we are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think so much um I- Imago Day is such a pivotal doctrine for us yep. to teach to students. Yes. I mean, you think about any of the topics that are like the most contentious issues in in our culture, mm-hmm. um sexual uh, orientation, gender identity, uh racism, right, mental health, uh, abortion. Yeah. Um it, it just social justice um so many issues really 
directly, not even indirectly, directly flow out mm-hmm. from a Christian doctrine of Imago Dei. Right. So Well, and, and also the other thing uh, we begin to unpack there is also understanding God's redemptive purpose in, in you know, in creation. Uh, one, a book, a couple of books that I found very helpful. Uh, yeah. I won't take credit for, I didn't invent this material. Um, Christopher West wrote a book called uh, Our Bodies Tell His Story. Um, the other book, the other book and person whose ministry I love is Christopher Yuan. Uh, but his his book, Holy Sexuality, I think also is a fantastic um, theological defense of what God intends our sexuality for. But Christopher West's observation is absolutely, I think, redemptively significant in showing, you know, what's it all about? Uh, he, he points out, realizing that, you know, our sexuality in terms of us, you know, the one flesh union of husband and wife in this life, our the use of our sexually ordered bodies in sex isn't essential to our being because it's not eternal. Right. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus pointed out, we won't be married in eternity. Right. So, so that's mm-hmm. not God's eternal purpose. Yes. It might be his, there, there certainly are creation purposes in terms yeah. of reflecting his image in terms of, you know, the creation mandate and everything else. But, but West's observation was notice that, that the creation story begins with a wedding right? The image bearers mm-hmm. in the garden, but it also ends with a wedding, not, yep. not the man and the woman, but Christ and yeah. his church. Right. And there are some, there is some powerful, right? Imagery there, not imagery, but it's like, it's like mm-hmm. God has packed into our very earthly existence, an icon of what is to come. Yeah. And, yeah. and when you start to get your head around that, it helps you to understand that we're talking. Okay, so here's where the title comes from. We're talking about so much more than sex, right? Mm-hmm. When we're talking about human sexuality, yeah. um, we're talking about God's eternal purpose, and and that's. I just want young people to see that, because when I th- I think when they do, they will start to look at their their sex and everything else differently. Life takes on a different hue when you start to see it through the lens of God's eternal purpose. Mm-hmm. Whether that will be receptive, received by our friends, who knows? Probably not. But I think it's a, a, I think it's an essential component of of standing confidently in. While not popular, this yeah. is what I hold to be true, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shake from it. I'm not gonna move from it. Um, because it's eternally significant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Amen. So as you as you talk about um so much more than sexuality with with these young adults and and with youth, uh, what are some of the more common questions and disagreements that you've received, and how do you how do you respond, and how would you recommend youth workers to respond to those same questions? Yeah, I, I'd probably put them into two camps. One would be the, those who are really struggling to see the continuing relevance of biblical sexual ethics in our modern era. And I think part of that is, uh, you know, there's been, even in, in evangelical circles, I think there has been the, um, 
the adaptation or the acceptance of some historical cultural shifts in interpreting scripture. You know, yeah, yes, the commands are there, but they were for a time, right? The world's a different place. We understand human nature differently than they did back then. And so, therefore, the relevance of those restrictions or those commands, you know, it's a different day. And so we need to— We've moved on. We've moved on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and so that's sometimes the pushback I get, or at least, you know, and I've never really encountered a really, uh, you know, combative— but but those are the you know those are the real. I, I can't see how that's not legitimate, and yeah. so are struggling to hold on to, and that's where, um, in terms of this series, what I really wanted to do was extract the discussion from from culture, and morality and social outcomes, and anchor it to eternity and God's nature. Yeah. Um, because even even Paul in Romans 1, you know, someone like a Matthew Vines will go there and say, well, Paul didn't mean that kind of homosexuality. Yeah. Right? He had no, he had no notion of what we understand today. And yet that, that, that's not a legitimate treatment of the text because Paul's not looking at, he's not pointing to specific examples, right? He yeah. is going all the way back to creation and showing how it's it was this it was the the forsaking of the very glory of the creator that led to these movements to in, in Paul's words exchange the natural for the unnatural yeah um so so that's you know from from that side that's how i'm i'm hoping this material will help to respond to those who want to embrace that kind of cultural relativism in interpreting scripture Anchoring mm-hmm. it to the transcendent, which is the very nature and being an eternal purpose of God, yeah. um, that transcends culture and time. Right. The, the other, probably the mo- other most common conversations I have are those who, you know, and even some young adults who shared with me, you know, they're they're into their early careers, and they're in the workplace, and people find out they're Christians, and and they start getting canceled because of, you know, ostensibly their beliefs, and they don't know how to respond. Yeah. And this is where I I really want to help, I guess, develop a different apologetic, if you will, um, in responding so that we, we can respond with grace and humility to say, look, it's not that we're bigots. It's not that we're against. It's not that we don't think people should be free to live their lives the way they want to. Yeah. The problem is this, is that our understanding of our sexually ordered bodies is that it's a very reflection of the way we use our body is testament to what we believe to be true about God. And if you're asking us to surrender our beliefs about sexuality, what you're actually asking me to do is to stop believing in the God that I claim to believe in. And I can't do that. Right? I'm sorry, but I can't. Would you really, are you really asking me to do that? Is that you know to try and change the response again yeah. not not necessarily to get oh well, that's different but at least like you say the person who's willing to say well i don't agree with that but i guess at least i understand it a little bit better right yeah so let me back up after i gave way too much <laughs> biblical theology of sexuality 
we then um, had a an open Q and A time mm-hmm. in, in youth group. Yeah, and one of the students um, basically came with a list of gotcha questions. Mm. And didn't really seem like they were really interested in what I had to say. Yeah. But they were asking questions to try to set me up to say the wrong thing so that, see, Christians are hateful just like I thought. Mm. Um, How can youth workers and young adult pastors and just Christians in general respond to that type of questioning? Yeah, so the so more of the practical what do I do in this scenario when this conversation comes up. Um yeah. well, I don't have all the answers right off the bat, top top of my head. Um but but someone who I have who I found some very helpful guidance from is Joe Dallas. Uh Joe wrote, he's written a number of works and I, if you're not familiar with Joe's uh background story and ministry, I'd, I'd encourage you to look it up. But he wrote a book called Speaking of Homosexuality which really was, he really actually laid out a good, uh, a good framework, almost what I would call a, yeah, a, um, um, a matrix for processing those kinds of questions. You know, first of all, uh, first of all, you know, what's the context? Who are we talking to? Is this evangelistic conversation? Is this me talking to another believer? Those kinds of things. But then he, what he really, I think what the help he really brings is, learning how to respond to those objections with clarifying questions. Because oftentimes, you know, so you're a Christian, you think homosexuality is a sin and all people should be going to hell, right? I think those questions often corner us into giving a yes or no answer yeah. that that comes prepackaged with the the judgment already in place. Therefore, you are a judgmental, hateful, intolerant person. Yeah. And in in place of that, and this is, uh, again, I think this is why Joe's material is so helpful, is to respond with what might be more probing questions. What do you mean by sin? Right? Yeah. And and what do you mean by hell? Why are those things important? You know, to, to, mm-hmm. to, to find out what hidden assumptions are behind the question right. in the first place. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, sin, sin, you know, sin stuff that God doesn't like. Okay. Who do you mean by God? Yeah. Right. To, to just, to try and open the conversation broader than, mm-hmm. because they've already formed, they've already got their answer, right? Right. So, right. You know, and, and like you said, it's often framed yeah. as a trap and yeah. maybe at the very least, while they won't walk away satisfied with that, they'd got you, right. Mm-hmm. Or prove their point. They may at yep. least walk away with some questions they had never considered before. Yeah. And we let the Holy Spirit so that's, use that. So that's presuppositional apologetics, right? So, uh, in part, yes. Uh, yeah. I mean— To a degree. To a degree, yeah. Yeah, I think in, I think in, in apologetics in general, I think there's always um, value, and I think there's always a, a, a component in which we are trying to— speak while also appreciating the assumptions held by the person we're speaking to mm-hmm. and uncovering those things. So yeah, some presuppositional. And, and the, someone who does that very well, though, also is Greg Kokel, uh, Standard yep. Reason. He, his yep. whole book, Tactics. I was thinking about him and his book, Tactics. Right, yeah. the Colombo Technique, asking those yeah. questions. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I think that those are essential skills that we need. I think youth need, leaders need to learn. Yeah. Because they're, they're yeah. usually on the receiving end of the hard questions. Well, what do you mean by that? How did you come to that conclusion? Right. How do you know? Mm -hmm. Who says? Those are Kokel's kind of uh, good trademark questions that you don't need You don't need to be prepared ahead of time to have those. You, just, you just yeah. always have them. Um, but I think that's just an important part of the ministry anyway, is getting people speaking and finding out, well, what is it that you actually believe? Yeah, that's really helpful. Um, so you, you've listed a number of resources in the conversation, and I, I've tried to uh, note them down in my, in my uh, notes here so mm -hmm. I can include links to them uh, in the show notes. So mm -hmm. for listeners who are like, what's the name of that book? And uh, yeah. hop on, um, check out the show notes. I'll have links to those. Yeah. Yeah. So you can find and pick those up. And there's one, there's one other resource, Mike, I'll throw out there. Um, given that this, this, this series again is unpacking more of a biblical theology of sex. I would say the target is certainly your, you know, your pre-college, your college student, maybe young adults, yeah. but for a younger audience as well, Christopher Yuan just released, uh, I think it's called the Holy Sexuality Project. And yeah. it is a video, it's a video curriculum. It's like a watch with your student. Uh, even for parents to watch at home with their kids. Um, when it came out, I signed up for it. I watched the whole thing. It is fantastic. Oh, I haven't checked it out yet, but I have yeah. it noted. And and I mean, yeah. Christopher Yuan's story is fantastic, is wonderful itself. Yeah. But he's yeah, just is. so gracious and compassionate. He comes across as you know, just a kind, caring Christian. And at the center of everything he talks about, he puts Jesus. It's all about yeah. Jesus. Right. And so yeah. I would highly recommend that series. If, if this okay. one, you know, if your students are a little younger, but you're looking for something to that, that's mm -hmm. one I'd certainly, certainly put out there. Well, and the thing I like about that is that you can get a subscription and share access with the parents in your church so that they can, they can access it uh, mm -hmm. to, you know, so that you're giving parents a good resource Absolutely. to be able to use at home. Yep. Um, instead of just kind of having the hard conversations for parents, but then they're not really involved and that right. can get really messy and weird yep. and whatnot. Right. So yeah, mm -hmm. it's a great resource. Yeah. Um, Scott, can you tell us a little bit more about where can people learn more about Prepared to Answer and where can they pick up uh, this series? Sure. Um, our website is preparedtoanswer.org. You'll find us there. Um, if you go to our website, um, that's our main page, go to the left-hand side, there's a tab for group studies, click on that. And, uh, the top one will be, um, so much more than sex series. There's a couple of others there too. I won't talk about that. Um, but yeah, actually you mentioned a few weeks, actually the release date for the series is February 20th. So I'm not sure when yeah. this broadcast is, might be after that. Um, if it's before. You can pre-register and you'll get notification when it comes out. Yeah. If it's after, you can register and uh, this will be coming out right afterwards. Okay. So then it's already live. Yeah. So yeah, go pick it up and check it out. Mm -hmm. And um, even if you don't use the series um, straight up in your youth group, I think it could be if you use it as a commentary, essentially. Yeah. Um, for for how you're going to approach the topic with your youth leaders. Um, and whatnot, and, or maybe you could even use the study in your youth leader meetings over the period of a couple of months to really equip your youth leaders for sure to have a biblical view of sexuality so that as they're leading small groups and mm -hmm. ministering to the students in your ministry, 
Um, that way you're providing some really good, solid training for your, your, your adult leaders in your ministry. That could it be would work. It would really work very well in it. that application. It does come with, yeah. so, I mean, the videos are there. Uh, it also has PDF downloads for their study or, you know, those discussion guides, the study guide for each session and discussion questions as well. So if you're a youth pastor and you want to do that, questions are already there, you know, so that you can prepare ahead of time and lead the discussion yeah. um, for sure. Yeah. Scott, thank you so much for um, for your friendship, for your ministry, uh, for everything you've done uh, for me and for YPT. Uh, it's been a joy thank to you, have Mike. you on today. And um, I am confident, yeah, I'm confident that all of our listeners are listening in and saying, okay, now I get it. Yeah. Now I get why why YPT is is um, coming hanging under with, the, this other ministry. Hanging out with these crazy Canadians. Yeah. What's going on, yeah. Mike? Uh, I love Mike, it. we're just loving this. It's a total God story, how he brought our ministries together. And yeah, we is. are just blessed to see how God's blessing might be, uh, just to see the ministry that you're having. And I mean, it's just confirmation for us, you know, that, that God was leading it at all, uh, all in the first place. And it's just fun to be part of the process. Amen. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast. YPT's mission is to empower youth workers to pursue theological depth because we're committed to inviting students into a faith that's big enough to grow into. You can learn more about the ministry and other resources we offer at youthpastortheologian.com, and you can find us on most social media at Youth Theologian.